0: Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. A podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing The Grand G-R-A-N, Group at EdinaRealty.com or call them by phone at 612 817 875. The Grand Group with the Dyna Realty, three time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the three-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis and with me as always is Dan Thompson. The Twins finish off a three-game series, taking two or three from the Brewers. A good bounce back here, a little palate cleanser after the Kansas City sweep. Dan, how are we feeling?
1: I wish I would have picked Eddie Rosario. <laughs> this was this was the week. I should have picked him. And and it's one of those things where you don't always want to pick the same. I feel like I've been talking about him enough, and then there he goes. It would have been. A
0: Yes, it definitely would have fit in well here. It was a decent series, two wins, I'll take it. However, it does feel like that third game was definitely in our grasp. Let's not waste any time. We can jump right into game one. We have our hero on the mound, Mr. Randy Dobnik. Absolutely just throwing heat from the mound here. Well, maybe not heat, but making guys miss Dan Thompson. What do you think about Mr. Dobnik's performance?
1: It's amazing. He's he's really the ace of the staff right now like he's the guy that you can count on when when guys like Barrios are looking very hittable
0: yes very accurate here I mean it's kind of a two-man race for the lead guy out for starting pitching we have Maeda and Dobnik are both really shining here Maeda let's see here he got through five innings only gave up one run and then turned it over to the bullpen and I kind of think that this game one was a bit of a let's call it like a template for how games that the twins perform well in should go so the starter gives you five to six innings then you give the ball over to May Duffy Romo and Rogers.
1: no and it was it was interesting because we hadn't seen any of those guys through the whole previous series right correct and you, you're right I mean it's, it's not sustainable to do that every game but that was exactly how you can win. I do worry, though, again, you know, what does this look like come playoffs? Because you just cannot rely on those guys. And as we've seen with Taylor Rogers, who has struggled pitching on back-to-back games, I was so happy to see all of those guys throw. But it's one of those, you're like, you, you gotta win games more, more handily <laughs> every now and then.
0: Yeah, agreed. So it was good. It was a little disappointing to see the offense falter after Eddie's Grand Slam. Again, props to Eddie Rosario, yada, yada, yada. Dan really likes Eddie. We get it. Uh, I
1: know. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs>
0: We get it. But it is it is a little disconcerting that in, in game one here, they put up four runs in the third and then that was it. They couldn't put any more runs on the board.
1: Yeah, I was pretty surprised by that. And it shows you, you cannot sit on their laurels. And I, I saw a stat too that the Twins have scored a lot of runs in those first three innings, but they've really struggled in the last three innings. And I think mm-hmm. they haven't had to have a lot of comebacks yet this year, but you would like to see them tacking on runs late in the, late in the game just to keep it out of reach.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like I, I still can't get over that pitch that Eddie hit out. What was the picture... It's Eddie rosario throw the first ball out of the zone what are you doing middle middle what do you think eddie rosario is going to do with that with the bases loaded
1: right you throw him a a change up or a curve ball if you got one out of the zone right something that's gonna look meaty and then doesn't end up in the zone you, you cannot give him a pitch like that
0: no and i mean he's so he he can get amped up so much that it's like that's a perfect opportunity to throw something out of the zone to make him throw something to, to swing at it so I right. <sighs> i don't know those pitchers man they got they got uh uh, more more confidence throwing to Eddie Rosario in the zone than maybe they should Dan Thompson
1: I agree. Maybe they maybe they haven't listened to our podcast.
0: That's the problem. I think that's
1: really the problem.
0: <laughs> well, it's all those fans that I've been isolating, making fun of the Royals and whatnot.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: So moving forward into game two, this game was, it's disappointing. It was a bullpen game, a true bullpen game. And we know we haven't necessarily done great with that, especially when we used up all of our good pitchers the day before. <laughs> um, but... Right, uh, right. So the Twins lose this one in kind of heartbreaking fashion, six to four. Rogers again, strong. Struggling. He comes into the eighth back-to-back innings or back-to-back games. Excuse me, I don't know exactly what was going through the mind of uh Mr. Rocco Baldelli as far as bringing in Rogers in the eighth. And I, yeah, I just have a lot of questions about how the end of that game was managed. Dan,
1: well, I, I don't mind when you bring one of your closers in in the eighth in a tie game, simply because it, it functionally is it's a it's almost a save situation. You need the hold there as much as you would normally need a save, right? You don't want to get any but, runs.
0: Let me let me just say though, I'm not saying that I have a problem with bringing him in in the eighth I have a problem bringing him in because he pitched the day before sorry continue. oh totally
1: totally and I and I think you have to have some faith in the other arms in your bullpen I agree I think he should not have come in there unfortunately he did and we have seen that much too often with Rogers. and I don't know why that is you know why does he struggle that second start and I should say that second appearance
0: well, and it's just, it's amazing to me because Twitter was just, people were going crazy saying, why are you bringing in Rogers? He clearly struggles pitching back-to-back days. And it's like, if Twitter knows that, why doesn't the manager of the Twins know that, Dan?
1: You would think so. You would think maybe he's not on the Twitter,
0: right? <laughs> maybe he's not. Um, that being said, Polanco had a pretty decent game and, and Rosario did as well, but it was just disappointing to lose that game four to six. And again, no more runs put up after the third inning, Dan.
1: Yep. And though it was was the problem with games one and two. It was at least nice to win one of them given that circumstance but yeah you do want to pile it on and that's what they did in game three right they finally did that just adding more and more runs
0: yeah, I mean, the, the, the kind of lone bright spot here in game two is Buxton is really, really starting to come out of, out of his shell a little bit and getting back to be that player who we, who we know he can be.
1: I saw the stats on Twitter. I mean, he's been outstanding really since a slow start. He's really found himself. And Aaron Gleeman had a really good piece on The Athletic uh, today just about how Buxton has adjusted in the outfield. And I got to think that if he's feeling better defensively, if he's feeling because he's starting now, I think it was 330 feet is his average starting spot, which is 17 feet more than he was when he won the Gold Glove in 2017. And you got to think if his confidence is there on defense that he is going to be safe out there um, that he's perhaps not so self-conscious about running into a wall and hurting himself. And maybe he never was, but I just think defense feeds offense. When you're comfortable in the field, you're going to be more comfortable with the plate.
0: Yeah, there were a couple of of questions about the way that the outfield is designed at Miller Park and that the warning track design is a little bit wonky for for players to get used to specifically in left field. So you do wonder on a couple of those plays if that played into it at all. And do they,
1: that makes me think of Minute Maid Park or whatever it's called now down in Houston, do they still have the the rise that goes towards Towards the fence. Do you remember that? Is that safer or is that less safe?
0: When they were talking about it on the radio broadcast, I thought is that standardized how how far the warning track is away from the wall? And there's an ESPN article from a few years back, I forget who, who wrote it, but kind of talking about the history of the warning track and discussing whether or not it's actually helpful. And so that was a, a relatively common occurrence previously, was having a little bit of a rise there. So I guess it, it's not as safe as the flat warning track because I think more ballparks would do it.
1: Well, it just seems odd, right? Like you're running full speed and then Suddenly you elevate a little bit at the end. I I could also see extending the space of of the warning track just a little bit farther, maybe to give guys more, uh, just a little bit more space there. But yeah, I mean, that is a tricky spot in Miller park. It's a, it's, it's bizarre, and, and that's one of the things about baseball that I like, is every field's a little bit different. It's not totally standardized.
0: Yeah, it, it is kind of fun to go to those parks that have some weird dimensions going on. Anyway, a couple other things about that Tuesday game. I do want to say that it really started to seem that in this game, players have started to see the ball a little better, even if they're not getting hits, and so I think this was kind of a turning point. Even though they lost the game, I think a lot of good things came from it.
1: Totally. And we saw with the explosion for 12 runs in the next day, I I think that the bats have come around, at least uh, from the slump that they had in the previous series.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just noticed Rosario again, he's been more patient all year and specifically in this game. He looked very patient until his last at bat of the game, uh, which was a little disappointing that he couldn't bring the patient Eddie up to the plate and not the guy who will swing at anything
1: the patient eddie i don't know if he's can we call i'm not sure there's a a totally patient eddie yet but well it's
0: definitely in degrees right the degree of patience that eddie is now is far more patient than eddie has been in any year previous
1: and that's what's fun about watching this Twins team is that the maturity of these young guys is really coming in, right? Buxton being more mature about his approach in the outfield. Rosario at the plate. I don't know about Miguel Sano yet entirely. Uh, his swing and miss rate is still pretty high, but man, when he makes contact, it is just beautiful.
0: It, it is. He really hits the ball hard. You just hope that he can hit the ball hard more often.
1: Yes, or just not even hard all the time. Just hit the ball. Just That's that's, that's really what I want. Just, just don't like, strike out, yeah. Like, he's not Luis Rise, I get that. But, like, when's the last time Miguel had, a, like, a loop single <laughs> To to left, right. I, I don't he think he knows how
0: to do that. I don't think that's that's something that he's been trained to do. Dan,
1: would that detract from him? Otherwise, I mean, would that be something that if he was able to do that, would actually make him less effective?
0: No, I think it would make him more effective. But I think we'd certainly see his hard hit percentage go way down.
1: So, so I wonder is he is he gleaning anything from Nelson Cruz? I think I, he, I know that that was much ballyhooed last year.
0: Yeah, I I think so. I think that's probably a really good relationship, and I would hope that Cruz is showing Sano in some of the ways that he could improve at the plate. There were a couple of games back where... Cruz hit a double, and the way that he hit the double is that he, you know, typically batters will have their hands together on the end of the bat if you want to kind of swing up your bat speed, sometimes they'll separate the hands. Cruz did that mid at bat, and he got a double and it's like, that sort of baseball acumen and IQ, I don't know how much of that you can train, but man, you really hope that Cruz is kind of putting the screws to Sano to be like, hey man, here's some tips and tricks about how to get those hits, even if you're not going to be able to hit at 120 miles an hour
1: I sure hope so, because if he could be a little bit less strikeout prone, that would be they would go a long way toward his eventual legacy as a twin um, and just his longevity as a hitter in the league
0: i hope you don't mean legacies and we're going to look back on these years is just fantastic
1: maybe that was too much but i don't want him to be adam dunn
0: yes you know. um,
1: and i don't know that he is adam dunn the great cincinnati red i believe there's another reds reference for us you know who hits so many home runs and yet struggles in average, and I think Sino's a better average hitter than, than Dunn is, but but I do wonder, you know, at what point does he adapt a little bit more uh, to become a more rounded hitter?
0: You hope in the very near future, but speaking of uh, of well-rounded hitting, how about game three? The Twins finally break out. The Bomba Squad from 2019 was on full display. Twins win 12-2, Dan.
1: And again, my guy Byron Buxton, just hitting a couple home runs. You can just see his confidence when he rounds those bases. Uh, He's sure, he sure got a pretty swing. I would, he and Kepler have just beautiful swings that are really fun to watch when they connect. So I was really encouraged by his performance, but obviously everybody getting a hit, it's really a great, and also great to see them only give up two runs in that game and not make it a slugfest.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're glad it didn't go back and forth. You know, it's happy the way that it went. And Maeda, my goodness, he just looks he looked so comfortable throwing the ball and the efficiency at which he pitched was just outstanding.
1: And you got to have a pitcher like that to eat up some innings for the bullpen and not burn his arm. Uh, he just, he's a very mature pitcher. It, it, something that really the Twins, you know, a little bit in Jake Rizzi, but he, he does work so much like we talked in a previous podcast. But it's so it really fun to just see a guy like Meta, uh in, in the rotation and, and be able to lock down his spot like that. And, you know, I think he's only given up what, two runs is the most he's given up in a series <laughs> uh, yeah. in a start.
0: And, and truly, If this game was closer, I think it's possible he gets pulled in the sixth there when he got into a little bit of trouble. It'd be hard to say, though, because most of your guys who pitched the day before probably aren't going to be available. So maybe they they let him stay out there a little bit longer. But you could tell even when he got pulled, he was a little frustrated that he got pulled. He wanted to stay out there and finish the inning in the seventh there.
1: And there's another win. And, and really nice to get a road win, to win a road series like that. Just uh, important after that debacle in Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I mean, it would have been great to bounce back with a sweep. But again, because we didn't have a traditional starter in game two, it's kind of the same thing that I think we fell into in, in the last time we had to do a bullpen game is obviously the Twins have a much better shot of winning the game if they have a traditional starter who can give you five to six innings at a minimum. Absolutely. So we can uh, give a brief recap here of Puckett's pick's first series where we had this as our segment and Dan you ran away with it. Polanco comes away with seven points. Kepler, well, Kepler, Kepler's total is negative two. Dan, it wasn't uh, was it that bad? I know he didn't play that third game. He I didn't was play the third game. He struck out. It's ugh, It's not good. It was not fun calculating those points. But again, just to refresh everybody on the rules here, it's one point per base, one point per RBI, one point per stolen base, and then it's negative one point for air in the outfield, negative one point for caught stealing, and negative one point per strikeout.
1: I like it. I, I'm I'm really proud of Jorge. He clearly he clearly heard that I had him this week.
0: I don't know. I mean, what I don't know what happened to Kepler. Yeah, he, it looked great. It was rough. Yeah, I mean, he got a hit in the first game, but that was about it. And then resting out the third game, maybe he was just tired. And Rocco wanted to give him a day off. So
1: I don't blame him. But that's what we got. You got to get to think about that, right? The rest days. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So let's move here forward. Uh, let's jump into Beast versus Bench. Okay, Mr. Thompson, tell me a little bit. Who is your Beast for the Milwaukee series?
1: It's got to be Eddie Rosario. With that grand slam um, and just kind of carrying the offense early, Uh, I love how he looks at the plate. I would also consider Byron Buxton, but anytime you get a grand slam, you're a beast for me.
0: Yeah, I think that's not a bad call. I'm you know, i doing everything in my power to not have to name Eddie Rosario a beast again. <laughs> and
1: Understandable. I, th-
0: I think I can make a decent argument, though, that I am going to go with Byron Buxton because of the role that he played. Game two, I realize it was a loss, but just to get on base and try and get something going, very helpful. And then game three, two home runs, the guy is just, he seems like he's seeing the ball really well. I'm going to go with Byron Buxton as my beast because one, I think he deserves. It and two, he's not Eddie Rosario.
1: Exactly. Well, I understand both of those reasons. That makes sense.
0: And then this is where it gets a little bit more difficult, Dan. Who's on your bench?
1: I'm going to pick Taylor Rogers this week. I think, given the fact that it was a 4 4 game, and we talked about this a bit earlier already, but you didn't need to bring him in, and he already has a track record of struggling on those second games. So I would say Taylor Rogers should have sat down. You got to hope that somebody else in your bullpen can get three outs without giving up any runs there.
0: Yeah, I can't disagree with you here. I had Rogers down as my bench as well, which is so disappointing because of I don't know how much of this can be put at his feet. Granted, he's the one throwing the pitches, but at the same time, Rocco's got to know, look at the stats from last year. This guy does not pitch well when he goes back to back.
1: Yeah, it only seems reasonable to consider those things. You want to be able to have him build some confidence. Not that that he needs to necessarily build confidence, but you don't want to put him in a position where he might struggle. If you want to throw him out after that, well, when would you? I mean, when is there a reason when you need to have him in on that second day?
0: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's necessary. Use up some of your other guys, especially especially in the eighth. Like, it's not just like, okay, he just has to get three outs and then he's done. Like, sure, he holds, but yeah, I really don't like it. I wish he would have gone with a different arm in that scenario. Totally. Well, so, I mean, that leads us, I mean, really, that's that's Rocco's rewind, right? Is what are you doing bringing in Rogers in back-to-back games? That's the question that's outstanding. I don't know if you have any other thoughts about the way Rocco managed the series.
1: Well, I would say that is definitely true. I also would say, in a positive way, putting Garver at the top of the lineup, even though he was batting, I think, 111 at the time. I had read, too, that he voiced some confidence specifically in Garver, and you need Garver to be hitting well in this lineup, I think, to to have a playoff team. I, or to, I should say, win games in the playoffs. I think you need Garver on track. So that was really encouraging. Um, I I appreciate the way that he manages with those positive He wants his players to thrive, right? I don't think he punishes players by putting them in a weird spot in the batting order. So that was cool to see that.
0: Yeah, it does kind of give give Garver, I would think, a boost of confidence. And he certainly shined in that position going three for six. Not a bad day.
1: Absolutely. So props to Rocco on that move.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's move forward here to our Minnesota moment. Dan, give me your Minnesota moment of the series.
1: Ooh, the Minnesota moment of the series to me has got to be Eddie Rosario's Grand Slam. How great is it to have Eddie step up in a big moment and really... I mean, the, the huge hit of that game and not necessarily the huge hit of the series, but I would think it's it's the most important hit of the series, right? Because it was the most consequential moment in that game. And it did. The, the lead held up after that. So I'm going to say the Grand Slam from Eddie Rosario.
0: Yeah, I thought you might, um, which <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Real shocking, but no. I'm actually going to go with the fifth inning in Game Three. I'm going to go with Buxton's home run in in uh, in that fifth inning. I think that that was very important for the Twins to realize that it's that it is legal to score runs after the third inning. And yeah, so, like it is. I do think that obviously I'm joking, but there's there's a note of sincerity here in that as soon as that run came in in the fifth inning, it just really started to snowball, and so to put up more runs in that fifth inning and realize that hey guys, we shouldn't just score some runs and then coast. We can still pile on. I think it was a good boost for this twins team and help them to realize that hey we're the bomba squad it's time we start showing it absolutely moving forward here to mauer's musings dan what are the outstanding questions or pontifications you have about this team
1: Well, I do wonder, you know, what's going to happen with guys like Luis Arise and Mitch Garver? Are they going to have, are they going to return to the form that they had last year, or is this just going to be a down year for them? Uh, Because I worry, you know, this team needs those two guys to be really effective, to be able to, again, I think make a playoff run. I was encouraged by Garver, but we're still looking at Luis Arise and wondering, you know, where's the guy who we, we talked about maybe hitting 400?
0: Yeah, it's a fair question, but I mean, he did start to look a little bit more like himself, especially in this third game. It is hard to say a little bit though, because it's like... Like, is it just that everyone was in such a good mood, it kind of helped him relax? Or maybe he's getting healthy and his knee his knee is bothering him less than it was uh, prior to this game. But yeah, going two for four really looked like he knew what he was doing at the plate. And th- he did have one strikeout in game three, but that strikeout, the, the ball that he got called out on was not a strike. So I, it was, you know, there were, there were a lot of complaints from game two. Uh, Jerry Meals was the umpire behind the plate and he, it was horrendous. You can go and you can look at the, the strikes called and the balls and it's just, it's ridiculously inferior favor of the Brewers really disappointing not a lot we can do there we can have the discussion about an electronic strike zone on a later episode but one of those things where Arise did look more like himself and it should be noted his strikeout there in the third game I don't think should have been a strikeout
1: well and I hope that that encouragement continues and I hope he has another good series coming up
0: absolutely so my my little musing here it's a big outstanding question when we don't have a healthy rotation are the twins capable of winning a bullpen game because so far they haven't been able to put it together on those games where we don't have a traditional starter running
1: and I hope that they don't need to have another bullpen game too too often, right? Because you got to hope that Rich Hill comes back soon. But yeah, that's a question. I think that's a fair question.
0: Yeah, I, it's a concern, and hopefully we can see it resolved shortly when we have what we what we hope will be a full rotation.
1: And and Rich Hill was talking about how, he, and this has been in the Athletic again, you know, where uh, he's even lobbying his teammates to say how good he looks. So I, I'm encouraged by the fact that he really wants to come back. But wanting to come back and actually being ready are two very different things.
0: Well, yeah, I think most players want to be ready at all times right and they'll say they're ready just to get in the game but I mean they really got to trust in their training staff we don't want him to get further injured than he already is we want him to be healthy and and hopefully once we get to those postseasons, those postseason series he can make a couple of starts absolutely They'll need him. The series grade, Mr. Thompson. I went back and forth on this one. I don't really know. What what kind of grade are you giving this this series against the Brewers?
1: I think a B-minus because of the blown situation there in the second game and the way that their offense sputtered. I am, though, impressed with the way that the pitchers held them. In two games, they held them the two runs. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to find a way to win that game in, in game two.
0: Yeah, I am in agreement with you here. Actually, I gave them a B. I gave them a little bit higher grade than you did. And part of that's because I'm always going to be a little bit kinder as far as the grade is concerned when you don't have a traditional starter available to you I think there's got to be a little bit of grace giving there even if I'm not a fan of it I'm going to go ahead and give them a B I think that they did the best with what they could again more runs scored is is definitely um, there's an appetite for that and you hope they can continue to do that like they did in game three but for the series I'll give them a B took two of three not at home had to do a bullpen game I'll, I'll give that student a B any day of the week I think
1: Fair enough. I I think that's fair. You make a good point. And they were on the road exactly. to win a series on the road against a rival.
0: Yes, yes. And and a team that we're not really quite sure what the Brewers are. I mean, they seem like they could they could be they they could play a role in the postseason this season. Absolutely.
1: They have some veterans, and I think that if there's a team that can turn it around, I think the Brewers are certainly a candidate. Yeah,
0: you would think so. So moving forward here, last segment, Dan Puckett's picks against Kansas City. Now I lost, so as the rules dictate, which I'm making up on the spot, I get to choose first. So. That's fair. I, yeah. I don't know. I'm so nervous about this pick. I am going to go with Byron Buxton. I do think that he can continue what he's done in the Brewers series. Byron Buxton is my Puckett's pick for the Kansas City series.
1: And I'm going to go with Nelson Cruz. I think that he's going to have a big series. I think that they they recognize how poorly that they played last series against Kansas City. And Nelson Cruz is going to be the one to carry them. Uh, even with, though he's not going to have any stolen bases, he is going to get enough points to win me Puckett's pick.
0: He did. He was pretty quiet in this series, so I, I don't think that's a bad pick, you can only keep Nelson Cruz quiet for so long. I mean, that guy exactly. that guy is going to get some hits, most certainly.
1: And I hope it's these next few days in Kansas City. <laughs> are they back home? So they're back in Minnesota. Nope, they're finally, back at home.
0: They? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They are. So okay. back,
1: in, back at home, Nelson Cruz... Let's take two home runs in the series for my win.
0: Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll be back here after the Kansas City series on Monday to discuss that four-game series and my first win with Buxton. He's going to score, oh, I don't know, 10 to 15 points during this four-game series with Kansas City. I can feel it. I can feel it, Dan. I mean, I do
1: love Buxton. I wouldn't be sad if you won. That if if you win, I think the series uh, is maybe even a
0: sweep for the Twins. Ooh, here's the hope. And well, folks, yep. thanks so much for listening. Here again, we'll be back next Monday. As as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufas and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins.